Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 308. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we tip our hats to the Queen of England who just celebrated her Platinum Jubilee, or as it is being referred to as the Platy Jubes, which also sounds like a foot condition. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and I don't need a Platinum Jubilee to have a foot condition. Today, we're gonna do some political check-ins on committee hearings and primary races. We're gonna finally weigh in on the celebrity case that's rocked the nation, and we'll look at a curious case at Google. Today, oh my God, I'm so excited by today's panel. Oh, today's panel. Uh, Both veterans of the show, uh, you can actually read a very recent essay about her work in Lilith Magazine. She's an artist, she's a filmmaker, she's just, she's a fabulous um, dresser and just a genius talker um, and so many great things. It is the wonderful Danielle Dirchlag. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nagid, thanks so much for having me. I wish I was wearing something more exciting after that intro. (laughs) <laughs> no, but you always do. Um, and then also joining us uh, for the umpteenth time on the show today, you love her. She's the host of the War Report, a podcast that everybody should be listening to. She is a New York-based comedian that has been uh, just titillating audiences all around the city and the country. It is the one and only Shalewa Sharp. Hey, Shalewa. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, All right. Well, let us get right into it with topic number one. So the January 6th committee is finally going to public hearing it up. And from what I understand, they're planning a media friendly affair starting on Thursday. They're actually bringing people in to produce something that might look like entertainment. Um, My question is, you know, they're like also like, maybe over promising the many things that are going to come out of this hearing or maybe they're maybe they're uh, accurate promising uh, unclear but my question for you first is uh do you plan on watching like is this something that's even come across your radar before i force you to think about it mm, i don't know i mean i i just finished watching like a real world reunion show <laughs> 
<laughs> and so those are the kind of production uh-huh. values that I'm I'm looking for now. Right. So right. I, I if it's going to be put together in like a slightly slower Gen X to the extreme music and quick cuts kind of way. Yeah. Right. I, like I a, think the I MTV have, aesthetic is what you're yeah, looking for. Yeah, I think for. I have the, the 90s space. MTV yes, I have the space for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I will say if there is, if it like cuts to a talking head of Liz Cheney in a small closet describing how she's feeling about everybody, I, that would make me more likely to watch. Yeah. If it's more of like a real world format, you know, for, I, I'm probably going to watch parts of it through my fingers. Chances right. are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I was reading yesterday that shock and alarm, but it's true, Fox News is not going to be broadcasting it. Mm. So, you know, my fantasy, so yeah, yeah, everyone's shocked. Uh, my fantasy for these hearings is that they'll have a kind of collective power where all of the nation understands the same information in the same way. That isn't true, right? That won't happen. So for people like us, you know, we know how it ends. I, I know the ending. It's bad, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. that this happened and Trump created it. Whether or not it can move the needle nationally with people who don't agree with me, if Fox News isn't showing it, that seems pretty dubious. So I wish I felt more optimistic about the outcome. Um, and if so, I did, yeah. I'd, I'd be more likely to watch the whole thing, I suspect. Two two things about that. First of all, I knew that in the movie 127 Hours – dude was going to have to saw off his own arm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And yet I thought that the journey was very stressful and thrilling, even though I knew it was coming. (laughs) Um, And so there is something of the, how does, what are the circumstances in which the arm gets sawed, you know? Right. You're saying saying can James Franco be in the mix? Is that what I'm hearing you suggesting? Yeah, that's my first question. Okay, great. um, And then my next thought is, you know, on the Fox News front what's the so it's such an interesting phenomenon about the difference between conservatives and liberals because liberals do hate watch stuff right like you know everything like that's why trump rallies were broadcast on like msnbc you know what mm-hmm. i mean because because liberals are like yeah what is this horrible dude like let's hear what he has to say but the opposite tends not to be true i even think that's backed up by data or something like i remember looking at something i mean also don't quote me um because i don't remember but there's something i, re- I re- vaguely remember seeing some data on this that like that the conservatives don't have the same kind of like hate watching relationship. Um, not that again, not that January 6th should be bipartisan, like should be partisan, right? right it shouldn't. Right. It's technically, it's just a thing that happened that sucked and and we should all be able to agree that it sucked. Um, but we don't. And the loss of, and that there was loss of life and that sucked, you know? And I think in some corners, really, we all do agree with, you know, if you were to sit a conservative down, even someone who's really into the big lie or whatever, they will, if forced to answer about the loss of life on January 6th, you know, they would they would probably say that sucks. You know, that was not something that should have happened. Uh, To the Fox News thing, I feel like I just read recently that if you uh, in homes where they normally watched Fox News, if you took that away. Uh, that people would then kind of like need a news fix and so mm-hmm. would go possibly to CNN or, or someplace mm-hmm. else and their views will change a little bit because they're literally just sponges just taking in whatever, you know, so they're like, oh, well, I never heard about this thing or that thing. So it, it might be informative if there's some way we can accidentally like trip over the plug for Fox News for all of the right, s- right, providers. Right. Um, but I, I am still kind of caught on the idea of bringing in producers to make this like more watchable um, because I uh, politicians are not inherently watchable. I mean, you can watch them if you're interested, but they're not necessarily watchable if you're not interested. And if they are trying, it's even more painful. So I don't know if they may end up turning people off by trying to get folks in with some razzle dazzle. And I don't know. I mean, look, I don't want to overstate the razzle dazzle. Yeah, but but, I mean, even razzle dazzle for Washington is just like, uh, you know, a choice of who the talking heads are to report on you know and in in general there is always some measure 
of producing going on with these things right. no matter who's in right. control yes. right because there's yeah. a national audience there's an international audience like it the thing has to kind of look and be coherent and have an order and a strategy sure. and, you know so i don't want to like undermine right uh, you know no the that, actual that everybody does job that. that's done yeah. but any i feel like any sort of tweak you know just any little I tweak it will be very noticeable um right. and we already know who of um of our particular politicians lo- like gravitate towards the camera uh, it's a little like steven soderbergh when he did the oscars everyone was like i mean <laughs> i that said i actually liked that oscars you like that oscars? i did you're very you're, you're I, there's uh, not many of yeah, you yeah no i thought it i was, didn't i didn't hate it i like, thought I it was, was just uh, like this is fine a, a, a watchable hot mess Right. Was, okay, there you it go. was a there watchable it hot yeah, mess. Yeah, it was yeah, very yeah, yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. Its awkwardness was almost endearing, which I don't know if I will be able to say the same thing. Oh, it's just, you know, it was in a train station. Yeah. Maybe that's what they knew, need to do with the committee hearings is move them to a train station. No, absolutely. Put them it somewhere uncomfortable. Fresh. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you yeah. know, just but to speak to your other point, Nagin, like, do I think collectively we agree that the loss of life was sad? I sure hope so. Yes. But whether we agree about who caused the loss of life, right? That's that is a different story. That's a different story, yeah. and, and that's yeah. a place where if these, you know, if by some miracle I'm not super optimistic this will happen, but if this becomes must-see TV in any way that it can, then if nothing else, the magic of that, the benefit of it for the country would be that we all understand that this was not Antifa, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, would yeah, be yeah. nice to collectively agree on. Right, that alone would be powerful. Uh, well, let's let's check in on the on another political uh, thing happening. It was primary day in California, uh, and a couple of interesting results came out. First, they recalled a very progressive prosecutor, Chesa Budin. Sorry, Chesa Bowden was recalled in a landslide in San Francisco. And then the Republican turned Democrat Rick Caruso, who campaigned on a crime fighting message in Los Angeles, is now going into a runoff in the mayoral primary, which, you know, expected, unexpected, weird. I I guess both of these things are signaling a little bit of um. Um, a change of form in California because it's long been the most progressive state in the union. But voters seem to be fed up about progressive policies, with particularly with respect to crime. Were you surprised by these results? Mm, eh, not really. No one feels like being progressive right now. I don't think they, <laughs> I, I, I don't think anyone understands what that means. And because, uh, anything in a progressive movement tends to moves and fits and starts. There's never just mm. like a overall change that, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of nuance. And I don't think that's what people are in the mood for. So I think people will always react. Look here, man, top gun Maverick is the highest grossing movie since the talkies or some craziness like uh-huh, that uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. we ain't in the mood for nuance and trying to figure out ways to work things out and looking ahead clearly looking ahead <laughs> you know kate bush Which, has a number one way, song so yeah like i'm you know i also get it because i too have thought more about when am i gonna see top gun maverick which i still haven't done Mm -hmm. but i want to have that movie going experience with the popcorn and the ridiculousness and the you know the loudspeakers and and because that's fun and i've earned it you know what i mean as a citizen (laughs) right i deserve to have a good time and that's fine you know what i mean um but uh, but danielle you're what you were gonna say well i was. you know i have a lot of sort of mixed feelings about what's just happened in california i want to say for the record i've never lived in california i know very little about local california politics but when this happened i did reach out to a bunch of my friends who live in both san francisco and la and you know what i really have come to is that progressive, this guy's wonderful progressive stance on policing, which is to not criminalize poverty. That's basically where he's coming from, which I 100% agree with. 
He's doing that in a vacuum without other structural changes, right? Mm. So when you're trying to not criminalize poverty, which I think is a wonderful approach to that job, but you're not able across the city or across the state to include more housing, mental health care, and drug abuse help for the homeless population, which in California is just enormous. We're talking about both one of the most progressive, but also one of the most unequal states in the union. You know, that is where it seems to me the problem lies. It's really hard structurally to change everything I just listed, to create affordable housing, health care, mental health access, job opportunities for tens of thousands of homeless people who are living in California. Without those shifts, if you also then relax some of the sort of normal policies around yeah, policing, yeah, exactly. yeah, what's yeah. going to happen is petty crime is going to rise because it those can't people... Be one, it can't be a one-sided approach. That's it has it. to be a 360-degree approach. Right. And that's the problem is that we can't... We don't have the like statewide will in California or the national will to to have that kind of approach Correct. because it requires a ton of public resources. Right. And, so then when Republican mega donors say, this guy's the problem... He's the reason why there are more break-ins in your neighborhood. He's the reason why there are more assaults. It's a very easy call, right? Because a voter can say, oh, good, I don't like that stuff, so I'm going to vote this guy out. And also, by the way, like that's what also got, got us the mayoralty of Eric Adams here in New York City. Yep. Correct. You know, was this tough on crime? Here's the thing I would love to see from like a progressive discourse around the idea that being tough on crime or just like not allow, you know, being like, no, this is a criminal act and I shan't allow it, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to call that, the shan't allow it. I want to call it Shakespeare, Shakespeare that you yeah. shan't allow um, it. The, the that being tough on crime doesn't have to be antithetical to fair sentencing and restorative justice, right? Like we have to figure out the like language around this because for some because th that's what it's become it's like let everybody roam free or you know um so that you can have f fair sentencing which is not what's going on and what shouldn't go on and in some cases i have to be honest with you guys like in new york city there was a definitive shift uh when the pandemic started and especially after um you know the uh, george floyd that there was a definitive shift in what police were doing and not doing in my neighborhood. Like, mm. I can't pretend that I didn't see that, right? Like, I did see that. That was happening. Mm -hmm. And that has been frustrating for a lot of residents in New York City. Like, um, there were quality of life things that we used to, like, find and do stuff like that and that they're not doing that anymore, right? So then a lot of, like, there's more, you know, I don't graffiti. There's more um, tents put up in places where there shouldn't be, you know? Like, that kind of stuff just wasn't happening before. Obviously, like, nobody wants to live around a lot of these things, you know, that nobody and, and and again, I don't live in California anymore, but like I, I had a friend who had to just move because of the homeless problem on in his neighborhood. He had a house that he put his, you know, blood, sweat and tears into like hand renovating and he had to sell it and leave because he couldn't take it anymore. I mean, that's real. And so what do you say to those people? And this is, by the way, a gay man who was just like. A, a, a you know a hard and fast progressive forever but also wants the issues dealt with so it's like we got to figure that out on the left the the conversation part of the issue right is that the left and the right have very different narratives about what causes crime do you guys remember when that guy that jerk called aoc a fucking bitch on the capitol yeah. do you remember this yeah, right? do, you remember, do you remember what she said to cause that comment I don't. She said the reason crime rises is because people are poor and desperate. And he found that so offensive that it seemed appropriate to him to call her a fucking bitch publicly. You know, if you feel, as right. I feel, that oh, crime crazy. is absolutely directly tethered to poverty and lack of opportunity, then how you're going to approach crime is about solving those issues. If you feel that crime is about bad guys who can't be helped, more of the right-wing perspective, then you're going to come in guns blazing like a sheriff cartoon man, right? So, so part of the, the issue here is we fundamentally disagree about what causes crime to rise in this country. And, and I, would, I, I would also be remiss if I didn't say there's an element of social media and m news media 
that is driving the crime conversation because you know for example the like you know there's this whole like don't take the new york city subways or there was a couple months ago or whatever but actually the crime in subways has not increased like has increased so minimally as to be statistically insignificant that's right the number of murders in 2010 for example was 536 um and in 2021 that number is 488 it is actually lower than in 2010 when we weren't thinking about crime in the same way. Mm -hmm. I lived here in 2010 and we didn't talk about it as much as we talk about it now, right? So, and also like if you look at um, other types of uh, crime, it's either very similar or slightly lower or just slightly higher. So you, when you're looking at like the actual science it doesn't track with the media narrative and it doesn't right. track with my mom calling me and being like, <laughs> I heard there's, you can't take the subway anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? As you know, as someone who takes the subway nearly every day. So, you know, it's, these are the, these are the other things that we have to uh, reckon with is narratives driving things rather than actual facts. And so that's the other problem. All right. Folks, I didn't mean to be be the end of the conversation there, but we have to move on. Let's hear uh, a quick, uh, quickly about our sponsors, and when we come back, we will move on to topic number two. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And we're ready for topic number two. And it is with great ambivalence that I bring you a segment on the <laughs> Depp Heard trial. I don't need to do much preamble here because everyone heard about it. It trended every single day for like six weeks. It had some kind of coverage on literally every out- outlet I ever did see. In brief, Depp sued Heard um, for defamation over an op-ed she wrote in 2018 in the Washington Post that did not name him. I feel like that's a really critical aspect of this. She countersued. Um, there was a lot of salacious and harrowing details of the relationship that sounded, you know, like an like a just a not good relationship also. Um, 
And the jury handed a down a pro Depp, like a little bit of a mixed verdict. Depp is to be awarded $15 million, but Heard is to be awarded $2 million. Um, it's this kind of... Tr- so So I guess my just my big question is, does this kind of trial say something uh, large about society or is it just like a slap on the Oscar stage? You know, where is it? What it... Where, what are the ripples? Are there ripples? Um, I don't know. I managed to not know any details outside of the very basic thing. I clicked on nothing. I yeah, watched that was me nothing. for many weeks. Yes. And so yes. I, I truly am like, huh, what happened now? And so, uh, yeah. I, so the only thing I can but track for the listeners out there, yeah. they did receive an article to read in which yep. they could. Okay. Catch up. That's right. Catch up. But here's <laughs> because what... I also pro I would I said literally every episode like I'm not following this case. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't follow the six weeks, so I kind of it's actually kind of an interesting position to be in because I did it. I wasn't in on the every right. day. Now I could just look at it as like this is a thing that happened. So what does it mean? What to me? What stood out as someone who was not getting into the nuts and bolts of it was noticing the reactions to things happening and um so perhaps i don't know what this means for um relations i saw people reacting by saying well that's the end of me too no no it's not um but uh and also i saw um someone like maybe two other celebrities having a back and forth and someone met a lot of people mentioning up oh, someone's about to get depth nope that's not completely different situation these aren't two celebrities who were dating mm-hmm. this is a business dispute that we are reading about no one is about to get depth um so clearly a lot of people watched and had no idea what was happening what the stakes right. were all of that right um i am i was struck by um the the willingness people had to jump in and root for their home team. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then I, to find out that um, like, that was more of a cahoots thing. You know what I mean? That was a concentrated effort to. Uh, you mean like the pro depth? Yeah. Pro depth. Yeah. Like I, right. I was just like, this is wild. Who cares about, Johnny Depp like this and I'm speaking as someone who had a picture of Johnny Depp in her high school locker Uh, now granted I graduated high school in 1990 so we're talking you know 21 Jump Street Depp but I was just like wow who has really thought about him enough to do all of this um, it was like at um, it was like at Chris thing. Brown levels of wackiness, and that is yeah. that is a right. level of stan of wackiness that I truly am like, what is happening? How is how are you spending all of this time doing this? Now I I said this so shout out to my uh, coffee crew buddies Jessica and Brent who basically sent me all of the research for this and like t- <laughs> gave me their hot takes and one of the one of my questions to them was the same thing like, is Johnny Depp like a part of the American popular imagination in ways that I totally didn't understand. Right. And they were like, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. was huge. It's the Jack And Sparrow so that's something thing. I don't, I maybe really don't understand is that how right. big Pirates of the Caribbean was. But also, there could have just been bots. Yeah, there could have been. <laughs> right. There could have been. But I guess Pirates of the, the Caribbean was very big. But I, I mean, I, I, so would people ride for anyone who was a superhero in a superhero movie in that way? Yeah. That's I what I'm know. I'm like, will the yeah. bots come out if uh something happens with Robert Downey Jr. because how dare you how dare you right. talk about our Iron Man like this? Do you know what I mean? Like is this I, I- I think that's possible. I mean, listen, what this I didn't follow the trial closely either because I, you know, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. But what I but what I noticed um in what in the little bit that I caught was that the vitriol against this woman, you know, classically, right? right? The culture likes a perfect victim. A perfect victim means she's got a very pleasing personality, she never did anything nuts, she doesn't have any substance issues, um, she's not only articulate but believable. You know, the 
the heights you would have to reach as a public victim at this level to garner sympathy for having been physically and emotionally abused is impossible. Meanwhile, the little bit, like the little bit of this that I caught was Johnny Depp on the stand, this is the only video I watched people, reading texts between himself and Paul Paul Bethany, is that his name? The other famous actor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where they are casually Bethany. joking about raping and killing this woman. Oh. And and the public response to that when Depp is on the stand is that lovable scamp. <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. Look. Meanwhile, I, she gets, oh you know, this God. violent pushback. I'm not yeah. saying either of these people are someone I would advise dating. Mm -mm. But that yeah. has nothing to do with whether or not she was victimized. It seems very clear that she was, not only from the evidence, but also from the fact that she won this case in the United in, Kingdom. Right, yeah, yeah, it was already decided. We already know. Correct. It was we knew what right. But she proved over and over again the abuse. Yes. And it was like that part's out of control. Um, the the other, uh, the, the New Yorker did a really great roundup of this and said in, in, in one sentence, which I think kind of, kind of encapsulates the entire thing, which was about the op-ed and everything that ensued, they wrote what was intended as a Me Too testimonial about women being punished for naming their experiences became a Me Too instrument for punishing a woman who named her experiences. Correct. Right. And so I think um, the 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 incredible thing is she didn't just name her experiences. She then proved it over and over in two countries. Um, the judicial system of one country saw fit you know agreed and like saw the the evidence here one of the craziest things that happened is that the judge decided the jury didn't need to be sequestered yeah and that's didn't need, wild and, and that the the thing needed to be televised which yeah, why talk to any lawyer and that's the thing that is the most baffling to them because all of this stuff that was taking over all of media for almost two months was was also in the ears of the jury yeah which must be why they were going so hard because i truly i am online too much too too much and this really did all of this support for johnny depp really did feel like it came out of nowhere because he's not someone where if you had said his name uh you know 10 years ago on the apps uh people would have been like yeah, oh no yeah. one would no, yeah. no one would he's not really like tom hanks yeah he's not, he's not someone who has drawn yeah. out this kind of emotion even with all of his uh yeah, success credits. and whatever um so that's why it was so baffling to me and then when i found out that the jury wasn't sequestered i was like oh this was for their benefit this was for them Guys, I don't know if I totally agree about the Johnny Depp piece. I think maybe we're just the wrong Zoom chat, you know, for 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 Johnny Depp uh, standing. But I, th you know, I'm guessing here because I'm I'm not. I, my Johnny Depp is also 21 Jump Street, so thank you, Shalewa, for that. But um, but but I I think if you grew up, what are there like 45 of those movies where he's Jack Sparrow? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think if you grew up with those movies as kind of a central kind of media component of your childhood, he might have a kind of almost right. mystical, you know, yeah, central guess, place yeah. in your imagination that just isn't true necessarily for us. Um, but I do have to say just quickly, you know, the fun thing about patriarchy is that it enjoys female suffering in so many ways. It likes yeah. to really get <laughs> in there. It's really innovated uh, on that you know, front. The diversity uh, of female suffering that it enjoys yeah. is incredible. And I thought by having it televised, it not only was to create a sort of robust sexist movement against this woman, it was also to be titillated and to be given pleasure by watching her suffer live. Yeah, That's part yeah. of what this was, which is repugnant. You know, so I'd say to the few really open, confident sexists who listen to this program, don't worry. <laughs> I'm so, I have you're so doing, many listeners. You're yeah. doing great. Um, patriarchy <laughs> is alive and well. I don't think this kills me too, hopefully, but I do think it really points out how vehement and consistent we have to be in understanding and proclaiming that women don't have to be perfect victims to be victimized and that their stories still matter. This is definitely a hit when it comes to that narrative.
Yeah. And and also, I just want to point out, too, one of the other weird legal things is that they tried the case in Virginia that has um, kind of lesser anti-slap laws is what they're called, which are the laws that kind of make, make it OK for women to come forward. There's like greater protections in California where they really did want to try the case. Right. But again, Depp's lawyer, I mean, I'll, I'll give them that. They were good. Um, They were not necessarily on the right side, but they were good at their job. So, uh, yeah, so so there are um, states, uh, I guess, if you do find yourself being victimized, hopefully it's in a state with better anti-slap laws. Oh, it's so sad. (laughs) Um, But I but yeah, I, I am curious. I think the other thing that I'm also reminded of in moments like this is that most of the people who need these kinds of protections as women are not celebrities and part of this is just like having a conversation about the rarefied class of people that have so much money they can throw around on cases like this whereas for the average person this is not you know they need the same they need to be able to like fight for justice and they can't can't even get in the arena in the first place because of money. Mm. So, you know, also just like something to remember. All right, <laughs> let us move on <laughs> to topic number three. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but then Muzi Saundarajan, the founder and executive director of Equality Labs, uh, which is a nonprofit that advocates for Dalits or who are members of the lowest rank cast um, in India was supposed to speak at Google for the Dalit History Month. Uh, but before she came to speak, the you know, the Google internet was flooded with false accusations that she's anti-Hindu. Uh, and then that talk was canceled. Um, first of all, like, I, just reading this piece, did it, I, you know, I've, I've heard of the caste system in India um, and the and the hierarchies that it's created. Uh, but I it sort of kind of didn't hadn't occur to me that that it had entered Google. You know what I mean? Um, but of course, India is one of their biggest markets. So, um, Danielle, you ha- you're the one who kind of uh, brought the story to me. What first interested you about this piece and about this incident? Well, you know, I guess, bizarrely enough, when I was reading about this, I was thinking a lot about my grandma Betty and my grandpa Milton of blessed memory. Um, She was, of course, obviously, she was from (laughs) Russia and his family was Hungarian. And at the time in America, between different Jewish factions, Hungarian Jews perceived themselves as above Russian Jews. So when they got married, my grandparents... Family lore disagrees, like, did they actually, did uh, my grandpa, my grandpa Milton's parents actually sit Shiva, which is what you do when someone dies, or did they threaten to sit Shiva? Either way, (laughs) there was a profoundly violent (sighs) negative response to these two different types of Jews marrying, and obviously this is two generations back. Today, in that same family structure, if if a Jewish young person got married to someone who even just said, I'm okay with Jews, that family might throw a parade. So it's it's an interesting example for me, this story about how when a a tribe, you know, immigrates to America, which bigotries and confusions persist and which bigotries and confusions kind of get dulled out over time in that tribe. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm no expert on the caste system. I've just Googled it a couple times, but it's clearly a bigoted, unfair, randomly unjust um, system. And so the idea that it's infiltrated, infiltrated Google as, as, Hindu nationalism rises in India just pointed out to me like this fascinating tension about what it means to have tribal identity in America when you still have a tether to the place you came from, right? And these are the kinds of appalling results that can sometimes happen. You know, Google shut this talk down because right-wing Hindu folks at Google said were offended. In fact, if you read the article, Nagin, partly why I sent it to you, is they said having this woman come to simply talk about the fact that Dalits, also known as the untouchables, right, don't get the opportunities that they deserve, aren't represented as they should be, the people, right-wing Hindu folks at Google said, having this woman come is a threat to our physical safety. Mm. That's insane, right. right? But it speaks to how strong that tether is to sort of 
ancient, older bigotries that their families are connected to. I think any tribal group in the states that came here voluntarily has some relationship to that. I mean, Nagin, as an Iranian-American, like, does any of that speak to you, the tensions that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's also funny because you leave Iran, you come to the United States, and it takes, as, as in the case of your grandparents, a couple of generations for those divisions to sort of be forgotten. And if we're talking about, like, newer immigrants, those divisions haven't been forgotten, so then they become um, replicated in Silicon Valley companies, which was, like, the kind of odd thing that this article points out that's that's happening. And, um, and then I think think of the uh, so that meets um the american the american way which is really awesome that we always talk about it right you can th- say whatever you want americans do talk about these divisions and they are way more open about their opinions and so it's like the the the, the it's a culture clash right mm. but like happening at you know at, at a google office um and so i think that's really that's really interesting and then the other thing that i thought was really kind of funny about this story is that the person who made the final decision for um for this uh this woman Sandararajan Sandararajan not to come speak was Kathy Edwards who's the VP of engineering and has no expertise on the caste system now right. look when we're talking about Kathy i would say <laughs> most VPs of engineering are not going to have expertise on the caste system. So part of me also sympathizes with Kathy because she's like, oh, God, I'm being told this person is anti-Hindu, but I literally have no idea. And like, my name is Kathy. That should say a lot about what I do and do not know about the caste divisions in India, right? Nikita, it's- I was hoping that you were going to say most Kathys. That's what I, I hope. <laughs> and I will go ahead and say most Kathys. Okay. Come at me, Kathys. But, um, you know, it's so, so the other crazy thing, and this just kind of speaks to what is the responsibility of companies mm. in understanding like what's going on socially when what they're really doing is widgets. Right. When their expertise is in widgets. And this is a really critical question right now because of abortion rights. Right. Um, uh, because of trans rights, companies have to take on these positions. We saw what happened with Disney. And here's an example that I think is maybe a little bit clearer for Americans that someone named Kathy had to decide about a speaker for Dolly History Month and not understanding what was going on because why would she? I mean, you know? So, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I, I It's n- not that Fortune 500 companies need my sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like doing great. But I do I, I do picture myself like being Kathy and just being like, oh my God, there's this controversy over a speaker like and just crying at her desk. You know what I mean? Cause and not because she doesn't know what to do. Um I think like, that uh yeah. um it, to me it it honestly just kind of harkened back to uh the two years ago when there was a boom time for diversity training in Mm -hmm. companies and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh as uh someone who uh was the diversity capital t the capital d diversity in an office um and having to watch people uh go through training that they they don't maybe think they need or they don't understand Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. this is happening and then someone having a problem with it and the people in charge who said we have to do it or are confused as to why this is kicked over everything. And the, the, the diversity is just standing to the side, like, wow, y'all seem to be having a real hard time here. Uh, like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually kind of, pain, it, it's actually kind of painful to watch people sure. argue about whether or not uh, you and your situation is worth discussing. And for people to have a strong opinion as to why it's not. 
and uh, to you still having to be on that Zoom call while that's happening. And then to have someone who's just like, I don't know, man, we just, you know, we saw the news. We thought this was a thing we're supposed to do. Kathy, just go on to make a call. And Kathy being like, I guess just squash it. Like, no one can get along. Right. Uh, You know, I'm going to take my divorce ball and go home. And that's just, that is, uh, it is kind of funny to watch, but it's also in the quieter moments as uh, the diversity really painful. Um, Mm. And I can't, I mean, I can kind of imagine what that's like to because i'm sure kathy was just like oh i didn't even know there was a a a, 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 like a situation i didn't know there were different levels to this i just thought they were all indian so you know like to be lumped and then to say oh there are differences okay let's figure out the differences and then to have one lump argue about the other lump finding out like it's um it's just there are worms everywhere. Cans of worms have been open everywhere. Nobody wants to deal with the worms and everyone just wants to cancel the program. Um, and the people that, uh, the people that hurt the most are the people who you're supposed to be speaking for. And yeah, yeah, it just really, it stinks in that regard. I can, I can speak from personal recent experience that stinks. And I can also say like the other thing that's, that feels like stinks about this is that, you know, the Sandararajan also pointed out that Google was able to make like really passionate statements about um, uh, George Floyd and that they should right. quote be, you know, absolutely making those same commitments mm-hmm. yes. um, in this context. Right. And and that m- makes a lot of sense. But it's um, it, that's but nothing. But that's correct. Yeah. You're talking about people who are like it's like Kathy and she's just like, I don't know, cancel it, you know? And it's, so it's, it's, it's like something, no no one's oppression is worse or better or whatever. It it gets back into this like oppression Olympics shit that sucks. And, you know, and and that makes me sad for for people. Listen, if Kathy's listening, Nagina, (laughs) I'm sure she's she's deeply grateful for your compassion. Um, But let me push against that a touch. Mm -hmm. You know, the man directly under Kathy, the guy who we see at all the congressional hearings when Google is, is there, is Indian and he is from the highest caste. Right. He is Which a Brahmin. Was, right. So Which plays into the story. <laughs> correct. So like this is not an abstraction. To the, him. To him right. or to the leadership team of Google. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if Kathy didn't know many people at Google who are Indian or know many people from different castes, but that's simply not the case. Um, I don't know Kathy. I'm sure I wish her the best, but the chances <laughs> that she I has no under don't never count out people's ability and willingness to just not not know like never that's one thing I've learned from my diversity training is people's ability to not like take that in and take the lesson even if it's all around them if they don't have to if they really don't have to in order to live trust me they won't I believe you and I also totally make sense and it's an amazing point and I also think in this case she has to open her eyes. Yeah. This is happening at her company. Yeah. It's her responsibility. And I don't, listen, I don't work at Google. I don't have insider info for what's happening there. I wish I had Google gossip. How exciting. I don't. <laughs> but the, but it, it does seem a little interesting to me that this decision is placed in her lap, mm-hmm. white, not Indian yeah. Kathy, and not in the lap of the man directly beneath her who is a Brahmin. And who fully understands these dynamics. You know, often in these kinds of corporate settings, that's how decision making happens so that difficult conversations don't have to occur. That's a problem. This should be faced. You know, one of the things in the article that really sort of um, struck me was the speaker who wasn't allowed to come said, this is, you know, Google puts out a statement and says, of course, we're against cast, um, you know, people being chosen for their cast here at Google. But the reason why we wouldn't let her speak is because it was her speaking was causing so much division and rancor. And as I was reading that in this article, I thought, 
When does someone showing up and saying, I'm from the group who doesn't get what they deserve and need, when is that met without some division and rank? Yeah, no, no one's trying to hear right, from that. Right, 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 how right. That's it the, works. If that's the only, reason why they need to come speak in the first correct, place. Correct. Right. If we're only going to have people come and say things that make us all feel just then, and great. It's, then it's just Oprah at every event. Right. Or I guess a cooking class. Who doesn't yeah, love yeah, a yeah, cupcake? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, if Google's going to come out and say, we're a progressive company. We care about these issues. You actually have to then invite the person whose community is being negatively impacted to share their experience. I guess the other thing I would say, uh, where finger waggingly at Kathy. Let's do it. Is, you know, you're Google. You have the resources to figure it out. If you feel like you can't figure it out, you could bring together an independent com- committee and do it. Like you you can do it. You have resources. So I guess, you know, when it comes to social responsibility and the uh, on these types of issues and the Fortune 500, I'm going to go ahead and say you guys are real rich. Mm-hmm. Put together some people who have who have, understand the ethics and let's get it done properly Correct. you know so it's not like Kathy doesn't have to do all the deciding when she doesn't know what's going on so there we go <laughs> um <laughs> Also, you know, Nagin, not my place and totally inappropriate, but Kathy, if you want to come on the show and really oh, yeah. tell us what you think, <laughs> why you made the decisions you did, how you feel about being named Kathy, we're here. Oh, <laughs> hey, I have a really good friend named Kathy. I love, I, and I love There's some great Kathys out there. There's some great Kathys. Hashtag not all Kathys. Okay. <laughs> all right, folks, that is the end of the show. As predicted, the two of you are just utterly delightful panelists uh what a departure from just all the garbage panelists i've had on over the years <laughs> no the, i i really wanted the people of fake the nation to uh, follow you and all the wonderful work that you do danielle where do they do that um, you can find me on Instagram. It's at ddurch, which is D-D-U-R-C-H, or on my website, DanielleDurchlog.com. Absolutely do that. Uh, she is wonderful. And Shalewa, mm-hmm. where do people find you? Oh, I'm on all of the social medias uh, at Silky Jumbo, all one word, traditional spelling. And uh, my website is Shalewa Sharp. That's S-H-A-L-E-W-A-S-H-A-R-P-E. Uh, dot com. Yeah, you'll have opportunities to see Shalewa do stand-up, which everyone should be doing. And you'll have opportunities to see um, Danielle's uh, films as they come out and do screenings around the country at various festivals. So this is why you need to be following these people. Uh, and as for me, folks, you know I'm going to be in Salt Lake and in Denver the weekend of June 24th. Um, with the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me stand-up tour. So definitely check out your listings. <laughs> Is that what people do? <laughs> Check out your listings, whatever that means, um, to see. And by listings, I think maybe I mean nagineforsat.com, and you can see uh, where I'll be performing. Uh, hope to see you in the wild um, uh, with the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me crew. And um, theoretically, I will also be doing Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this weekend, the regular show. So tune in to that. Um, all right, folks. Uh, what I would really like to do is thank everyone who made this show possible. We are producerless this week, which leaves a heavier burden on our wonderful sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. And special thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making this show a possibility. Gabi Alter wrote our theme music. And special thanks to Wayne Cohen at Stand Up Sound for hosting us this week. Uh, and uh, we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.